Hey everyone, welcome to the Text Lab. My name is David Crawl. I am a groups pastor here at Vintage Grace. Hi everyone, I'm Andrea Mullins, and I'm the adult ministries coordinator here at Vintage. And the Text Lab is where we do a deep dive into the text to help you prepare for life groups this week. Our goal is to help you make disciples who make disciples. And so whether you're leading a group or just trying to do some deep diving on your own, our hope is that the Text Lab helps you have meaningful conversations about what God has said in His Word. So this week is John 1, 19-34, and let's get into it. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. So again this week, a ton happening in the text. It feels like that is going to be what we say again every single week. Um, But one thing we want to do as we are good students of the text is to always ask questions about the background of the text. This can really be an important piece to helping us understand what the text is all about. And the background often reveals to us why something is said and maybe why something else is not said, uh, which can often be just as important. And so um, we want to ask questions about the background, especially when we're digging into a narrative, which is what the genre of John is. A story just simply never makes sense if we don't understand the setting in which it takes place. Right. Like you just moved to California when you were about 18, right? Mm -hmm. So for those first 18 years of your life, if we had known each other and from California, I had said to you, hey, me and my friends are running down to the beach and we're going to grab a double-double animal style. You would have had no context in Arkansas to understand what that was. Maybe you (laughs) even would have thought we were doing something with a double-double and surfing or it's some kind of, I don't know. roller coaster. Once you experience the experience that is in and out burger, though, however, you mm. understand that double-double animal style has a totally different meaning. Yeah. When you understand the setting, the story makes sense. The story makes sense. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about that for John. Um, you've got John showing up on the scene. There's a lot of curiosity, excitement, but also confusion about who he is. People really don't know what to make of it. 
Right. I imagine that people are in the synagogues or they're down at the marketplaces and where we would be like texting each other and who is this guy? They're like wondering, have you seen the guy with the locusts and the sackcloth and what's he all about? And have you heard what he's saying? They're just, it's the chatter mm. on the street, the gossip of the day. They're wondering who's that guy in the van down by the river. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think one of the reasons they're is so much confusion is because of the setting. Throughout all the Old Testament, God has spoken to his people through the prophets. Over and over again, the people hear the word of God through what the prophets tell them, but then suddenly God's voice is silent. And you have these centuries of silence before John the Baptist enters the scene. And he starts calling people to repent. And they're asking these questions about his identity. Is he a prophet? Is he the Messiah? Is God going to speak again? So I think a really great question you can ask right here in your group is where else does John show up in the Gospels and what does it have to say about mm. him? And then we see John and he's talking again, like you were saying, about Jesus as the prophet, as the priest, as the, and the king. And he references those without even being asked specifically mm. by anybody at first, are you the king? John just knows. They've come wondering if this is who I am. And then he automatically is able to say, no, I am not Elijah, which is a reference to Malachi 4.5, where there's this expectation that Elijah is going to come as a priest before mm. the day of the Lord. So they were expecting a Messiah king to come, or they were expecting Elijah as a priest to come. Yes, those mm. two. And then also they had this concept of the prophet, which is a reference to Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 18. And it says, God will raise up a prophet from Israel. So you can think about like, what do we know about mm. the prophets in throughout history? And just imagine that for them, it's even more real in their lives. Like they have this constant looking for, is this guy a prophet? Mm. They're looking for not all three together, but one of these mm. identities in John. Mm, that that's huge because that that tells us something about the identity of John the Baptist, and he says he's ultimately telling us something about the identity of Jesus, as he says that he's not a prophet, he's not the priest, he's not the king. He's pointing to Christ, who is those things, um, and that's kind of how he's preparing the way of the Lord, um, which also is is through the baptisms that John is doing. The narrative kind of continues in verse 24 through 28. And now the religious rulers are concerned about, well, John, if you're not any of these things, why are you baptizing people? Um, and I think it's helpful to understand that baptism isn't a new thing in this story. Uh, other baptisms were occurring all around kind of special cleansing ceremonies which represented really a, a spiritual cleansing. Um, but baptism here is different than what we think of now as like believer's baptism. This that John was doing um, was a really a baptism that pointed to, De to Jesus. And Mark 1 tells us that it was a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And so John is calling the people of Israel to repent and be baptized. People that thought they didn't need forgiveness because they were the children of Israel, because they had Abraham as their father. Um, and so John is saying, no, you need to be baptized. You need to repent. This is for the forgiveness of sins, which is ultimately, again, pointing people to Christ. He's truly paving the way for Christ. He's preparing the way for the Lord, uh, which is even just like kind of a great question to stop right there as we see John doing that. And maybe this is a question to discuss in your groups of just how do we prepare the way for the Lord? How does the example of John the Baptist be an example for us as we prepare and pave the way for God to come and work? And this really kind of closes that scene. It's like we turn the page to what happens next. And so John the writer has really set up like prophet, priest, king, and Jesus comes on the scene, mm. and John doesn't introduce him in any of those ways. He mm. says, 
Here is the Lamb of God, and it's this picture of the sacrificial system. And then he also references, like, this is the one, he does this confusing thing where he says, like, who came before me even though he Mm. wasn't before me, and he's making this reference Mm. to the supremacy of Jesus Mm. and to this eternal nature of Jesus and that Jesus is God. Which is kind of this... Uh, going back, this recitation of the the prologue that we talked about even a couple weeks ago of the eternal nature of Christ. Yes, exactly. Like the word being in the beginning. And then he's also making this reference, like when he said that one is greater, like how great is it that Jesus now can forgive sins? Who mm. has that power? They mm. would have understood that that that's not the power of some kind of political ruler. This is a mm. power that only God can have. So he's referencing the sacrificial system here. Mm. And, and then something kind of even crazier happens. John talks about the spirit descending from heaven like a dove, remaining on Christ. And we know from kind of those other accounts in the Gospels that this happens at Jesus' baptism. Um, but John doesn't even emphasize that. He emphasizes the spirit who descends and remains. This is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And so I think ultimately you have this picture of this entire new covenant that is being brought about in this moment. The old system is being done away with, and now Christ is bringing a new way. He doesn't come and give us a lamb for sacrifice. He is the lamb, and he comes and he ultimately truly cleanses us, not just with baptism by water, but baptism by the Holy Spirit. He cleanses us and makes us new. Wow, that's a lot happening all at once in this narrative. Um, So much. So what does that kind of all mean actually practically? What does that look like for us this week in our life groups and in our lives? There are so many ways we could boil this down. But for me personally, when I sat down and I looked at it, I was really thinking about John and how he could have tried to claim any one of these titles. He could have tried to climb the corporate ladder Mm -hmm. to the very top, made himself important. And instead he was like, there is one who is coming hmm. who is so much greater than I could ever be. And he really wraps his identity around that. And for me, I guess that's a piece like there's just so much in our culture and our society about who you are and what you're all about. And what does it really look like for me personally to say, who is Jesus and who does that make me? So yeah. if I'm feeling unloved or unworthy or just having a horribly rotten day and I begin to think about like one who is greater than the greatest they could even imagine Mm. decided to come and be the sacrifice for me it upends the way that I interact with my kids and the way that I interact with my husband and the way that I interact with the person at the grocery store like I am deeply loved I can change the way that I love others yeah I would say like it just changes who I see myself being in the world that's so good because this passage is, is talking a lot about identity, identity of John the Baptist, and ultimately what John is talking about over and over again throughout his whole book is the identity of Christ. Who is John? He's, he's the son of God. He is God, uh, reveals God to us. And I think thinking about that identity, how powerful that is to have an identity that's based not on what we can do, not based on um, how good we are or how bad we are, not based on what we can accomplish, but based off of what Christ has done and ultimately what he says about us. That, I think, is the only place where we truly find our identity. So maybe a question you'd ask toward that is, how can you find your identity in Christ this week? And only in that, then, I think, is there true life and freedom, the good life in Christ. I think, I think for me, this really kind of hits on uh, just what does life look like now in the Spirit? You see John pointing to Christ, and then you see Christ coming and bringing the Spirit, and, and where John says that, that Jesus will come and baptize us 
with the Holy Spirit, um, which which really it says something about presence of Christ with us, that that Christ is with us always, that the Spirit is with us always, and kind of just practically what that means is is one, you're just you're never alone, you just truly are never alone. That that Christ is always with you, um, that the Spirit is always with you, and there's a part of that that's kind of a, a piece that brings comfort, but even even more than that, that's where life is found, that in trial, in hardship, in COVID, in 2020, uh, the spirit is dwelling within you and you can live and walk by the spirit. So I think I find myself kind of asking just questions, challenged from this, like how do I be aware of the spirit all the time? How do I be awake to the reality that I've been baptized with the spirit through Christ, that the spirit lives inside of me? And how do I, how am I just uh, attentive to the spirit all the time? Whether that's like my first thoughts that I think in the morning, do I check the news or do I check my heart and am I aware of the spirit? When I'm taking a shower in the morning, what does it look like to just be aware that the spirit lives inside of me? The spirit's with me as I get ready for the day, as I'm with my kids or as I'm um, at at church or as I, as we're hanging out with friends or um, doing at the grocery store, whatever we're doing, those are moments that we can be with God and we can be aware of what is God inviting us into as we like to always ask at VG. And we can truly be aware of, God, your spirit is here with me. You're moving, you're at work because Christ has brought the spirit um, and, and the spirit is with us continually. So I think a great question of that is just, what does it look like to be with God in all things this week, to be living and walking by his spirit? Thanks for spending time with us. Our promise to you is that we're going to do our best to make this time really valuable for you, the leader. If this helped you in any way, let us know. Yeah, and so whether you're at the gym, mowing the lawn, driving, whatever you like to do while listening to the podcast, we hope you feel equipped, encouraged, and ready to walk through the text with your group this week. As always, do your own prep. Let the Spirit lead you and know that you are the one who is sent this week into your group, into your family, into your Pray Watch communities, wherever God invites you to be the living proof of our loving God. We love you guys, and we'll catch you next time on the Text Lab.